0: Welcome, everybody, to Crushing Comics, where we are going to talk about This Week in X. This week, we're talking about the two X-Men comics that were out on the 4th of November, and those two comics were X-Men number 14 and Marauders number 14. So we are going to be full spoilers in this talk, anything up to and including this week of X-Men is fair game. So this is your fair warning. I'm your host, Peter, also known throughout the internet as Crisis with a K. And I'm joined here with two of my favorite mutants from around the world, Tyler and Freya. Tyler, have you ever been to a party where you only knew like half the guests? What did you do about it?
1: I am usually an introvert. So I sort of uh, turn, you know, I I became, I recede. So basically I, I stand at the side of, you know, near the wall in a corner and hopefully someone that I know or someone that I'm interested in will come and talk to me. So I have been trying to change that, but, um, you know, it's not the easiest thing.
0: So you're a little bit of a wallflower, a slightly more Mm -hmm. obscure X-Men.
1: Yeah, but not so pretty wallflower.
0: More like a camouflage <laughs> wallflower. <laughs> uh, and so you don't, you don't like throw glasses of wine at people to see if they're right-handed or left-handed <laughs> or anything oh, like I that? I don't. know. <laughs> and then, Freya, what is the most fantastical multi-course dinner or meal that you've ever been to? Have you ever gotten past the three standard courses?
2: Yeah. So and that actually happened in Italy, surprisingly, because I went to people, (laughs) your people. So when I went to visit Peter's people, um, (laughs) you know, in Italy, uh, I was uh, I went to a restaurant which had a set like seven course menu, which Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I am. I've never been that fancy in my life, you know. That was like the my peak fanciness, and that was like I was blown away that the fact that there's like seven different things, which you know I kept on joking. on like, these are all just one. And my sister did not appreciate those jokes at all, but it was very delicious. I mean, I still remember like you know, um, being impressed. So yeah, so that was my that was my fanciest uh, meal ever. Not at uh, a party, though. No. You know, that's that's something I'm still missing.
0: You know, I really like in a really fancy meal, and Italians will do this sometimes, when they'll do palate cleansers in between the dishes, and sometimes they're like a little... Um, really light flavored sorbet or something because it's meant to be like a really yeah. clean crisp flavor I mean in my family that could be like a shot of sh- of Sambuca but, um, <laughs> but if you're somewhere classy sometimes <laughs> it's something like a little nice and sweet to cleanse yeah. your palate in between yeah
1: or pick a ginger s- if you're having sushi
0: yes ginger. right exactly for that same purpose just to wipe the other taste just the same way that you do crackers at a wine tasting right yeah
2: I do remember the dessert of that course uh... still to this day mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Well, if you can't hey, tell, wait—you inter- are, you, are you just keeping us in You're suspense.
1: Oh, <laughs> I still remember it. Mm. and then not say not so tell us anything the about it. You got
0: to fess up about the dessert. <laughs>
2: no it was actually it was an ice cream so but the okay. thing is like it was like done very it was very beautifully done like you know and then it tasted so good like it. You know, i think it was sort of like italian what is that what is Gelata. the italian of sor- gelato yeah. yeah it was gelato so it wasn't ice cream it was gelato but it, it was like not heavy at all and like, it was just like so refreshing i felt refreshed after that so yeah that
0: was that was <laughs> it sorry <laughs> you can't tell From our extended intro review, we are talking about the dinner scene. That was in Marauders this week, because there is not a whole lot to talk about from the X-Men issue this week. We'll get to that in a minute. So we're going to do our normal thing here. We're gonna do first impressions first. Hopefully, you won't hate us after that so much that you've already <laughs> shut off your listening device. And then we will continue to a a lengthy dissection of both of these issues. So let's start with Freya and then we'll talk to Tyler. What is your general impression, first impression of the two issues this week?
2: Uh, I think, like, I enjoyed the dinner scene a little bit better. Like, you know, it was kind of like some character moments and all that. But over, I have one thing that I am just so, like, angry about that I'm going to talk about it later. Uh, but the thing is, like, overall, X-Men left me feeling, meh, you know. and man. is
1: reading I know!
2: I know! I know. I'm disappointed you, in myself. I'm disappointed yeah. in myself What if this gets back to
1: him? yeah
2: i still love him i still love you (laughs) like you know if you're listening um but the thing is like no i mean it was just like okay sure and i'm i'm very sure if i'm reading the whole thing in one go this would make sense i would understand why i would even cruelly come back and read it but you know weekly i i was like sure okay Moving on. And then, yeah. And then the dinner scene happened, which was fine. But then there was also something else happened. Then I'm like, ooh. Uh. So it was like a lot of ups and down emotion.
0: We will get to all those meh and ooh uh, and all of those wonderful reactions <laughs> from Freya in just a moment. Tyler, did you share the meh and the ooh uh from Freya? <laughs> well, well, when I, when I read it the first
1: time, um, X-Men really wasn't like, ugh. Why are we having the entire, almost the entire issue being reprinted again with a framing device? Um, And then Marauders, I actually uh, like it quite a lot, except for one character's um, characterization. That was the first read-through. So the second read-through, I warmed up a little bit more to X-Men 14. And the characters um, that I thought was really off, came off a little bit better because I think I might have misread one scene Hmm. the first time when I read it. So overall, I think this is not the worst week of um, X of Swords, Ten of Swords, Um, but it's definitely not... Um, I mean, it's sort of in the middle. It's not the high, it's not the high high that that three issues that we we all three of us love that week. and um, it's not the very, very low week, which um, is you know, I think uh, for me it
0: was unfortunately creations. Well. Wow. I, it's interesting. We are now on what, version 3.0 or 4.0 of this history of Vementh and Arako and all of these three. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually thought this was the most effective one if we were just reading it on its own. I think having the teller of it involved in it really kept me engaged as opposed to the other ones that were kind of told like by a third party to the point that I was like, is this me enjoying a Jonathan Hickman D and (gasps) D Dungeons masters, you know, adventure book issue. But then when I went back and looked at 12, because we'll get to it, but it repeats all of the art from the central portion Mm -hmm. of 12, it kind of made me hate everything even more because I was like, what was the point of 12? It was like this reveal of Genesis was supposed to be such a big deal. I don't super care. And now I just feel like I had to read the same issue over again. I just I don't I don't think it had the impact it was supposed to so then I kind of soured on it I thought Marauders was dumb. I look forward to talking <laughs> to you both about it. I thought it was freaking stupid
1: yeah. But
0: I actually <laughs> went back and
1: counted like scene by scene between X-Men 12 and X-Men 14 Yeah, which is really just two months apart. Yeah, right and If you think panel about it
0: for pa- after the panel. little bumper yeah. intro outro so is panel for panel
1: so Astra did six pages of new art in 14. And there's like 14 pages of the art that is replicated exactly, which is, um, you know, uh, Yusad. So, so we, we have like, you know, almost two thirds of the art that we have seen before.
0: They could have thrown at least is, in some extra data pages to
1: keep the No, no, no. Yeah. And, that, that, and, that is actually the most interesting part for me.
0: And then to be
2: honest, this is the same exact thing that was used in Hick Avenger, in one of the issues of Hick Avenger, where he repeats the pages. That yeah. was interesting because it was you were listening, seeing the same exact thing from a different person. The color didn't change, but for the first time, you see one character that you missed the last read through. Uh-huh. That was effective. That's interesting. This one, I'm like, well, who gives a f- for any of these people? Because the thing is I don't, and this is something I, I'm just, we talked about layering before, that it's just like you layer the story. So it matters yeah. and you understand where everyone's coming from. I have not invested enough in Genesis, Arako, Eman, like Summoner, in these people to see the same exact thing from four different viewpoints for me to arrive at the <laughs> same conclusion. But guys, no. I will say uh, though, between Karako and Arako, I'm team Arako because they have that one rule that says destroy our enemies. <laughs> I was like, Yes
0: Rule number <laughs> two. The, yeah, rule is, number yeah Destroy is a our enemies.
2: I am I am you know, I would be in Brotherhood, right? And then I would also be like Team Aragorn. Like, yes, because I went back to see what like you know mutant rule is. Like, I'm yes. oh, no human over here. Like, destroy I'm Like, yes. <laughs> so that but, that really like hyped me up, though.
1: And oh, wow. apart from the 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 art that was repeated, right? There were seven caption boxes that were exactly the same. 22 caption boxes that convey exactly the same message told from, you know, one from a third person and one from the second, per- the first person perspective. And there were, like, interestingly, 46 caption boxes that actually added information to the whole history. So, you know, take it for what you you want. You know, we we get like two thirds of repeat images, but we also get roughly about two thirds of. New information in terms of new capture boxes that tells us something different, and
2: well, before, and then because I no no because you know we I knew that there was all this repeat. I wanted to do the same analysis, but then I'm like, no, you know what? Tyler will come with receipt, so I'll wait for that. So I'm glad, <laughs> Tyler, you you brought that out, brought that up, because I knew that the informations are not like it's not even like oh this history is even changing. The history is not changing either.
1: Well, no, <laughs> it's not changing, but um. The way it was told added more information, even though the art did not show more information.
0: Before we we dig into this too, too deep, because we're already like off to the races here. Yes. Let's just talk for just a moment about the idea. And these are Tyler's words and not mine in our notes here. Repetition as a form of storytelling and as a literary device, right? There are many famous novels, movies that use this, for comedic effect, for dramatic effect, right? There's the whole kind of like Rashomon effect where you see the same events from many different um, viewpoints. My, my favorite movie of all time, Clue, which plays different endings to the yes. movie, even though you've seen the same events leading up to it. Or then there's also kind of like Groundhog's Day, right? Like living the same thing over and over and seeing what you could change. This, of course, is the most like the kind of Rashomon example because we're getting different perceptions on things Hickman puts a little twist on it because it's kind of like everybody's progressively lying a little bit more or a little bit less, mm-hmm. which kind of goes with our theme that we've had a, for running for a while here about the idea of unreliable narrators, right? Like how yeah. much can we trust anybody? We haven't really trusted apocalypse. We haven't entirely trusted even Doug to translate Krakoa correctly. Why would we trust the people from Arco and Ament and all of these places in Okoro to, uh, to tell us a story accurately. But before we get into the story implications, was there a way this could have had more impact? Because it seems like all three of us were a little Mm underwhelmed. What could it have done to make the storytelling device more effective? Anything?
2: Publish the whole crossover in one go. Like seriously, publish the whole thing in one go. We're gonna read the whole thing and we're gonna go back and we're gonna understand the implication of it. Week to week, it doesn't work. It re- it doesn't work. I mean, well, I for- I'm so- I forgot what happened in twelve. If I hadn't, if I didn't have the access to it, like you know, yeah. it-, it really doesn't work. But the thing is, like, if it's all in one go, this repetition, it works perfectly.
1: Okay. Well, Thailand. I feel
3: like, and also think,
2: oh, make the make us care for the characters,
1: right? That I'll come yeah. back to that. Well, that that is always an issue for Hickman's, uh characters. But I, I feel like um, having Ashra reinterpret the scenes, drawing it slightly differently, you know, from the viewpoint of Genesis would have helped a lot. Instead of oh, re-, yeah. re re instead of just um, reprinting exactly the same, because that is a story that is told by Summoner. Right. So the, the, the perspective is different. Whereas if you have someone else draw it, like Genesis says, you know, I gather um an army and we went out and slaughtered, why not show that scene? Why not show them fighting, you know, the Ameth uh demons? Why not show even more scenes about her fighting uh and defeating uh Annihilation? You know, or show some shots of like who these um uh crosses you know cross breeds are. You know, instead of just repeating everything, it, 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 it I think it doesn't work for me, mainly because two thirds of the art is 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 a, is a repeat.
2: And we have seen it before, whereas like Rv between Rv Silva and Pepelaras, they did the re redrawing of each other's yes. work for Hawksbox. Yes. So I don't understand why it wasn't done here. And no they idea. did
0: also repeat <laughs> a whole scenes in Hawksbox. I bl- I think issue six yes. repeated. Scenes from Pirates, but it worked because it it expanded what we knew. Right, so, right. I I had really similar feelings to both of you here. So one, to Freya's point, um, I think it would have. Gosh, actually, I forget which one of you made which because I was just like doing so much nodding as we went along. Um, but let's say it was to Freya's point. She can tell me if it was or it wasn't. I think if we had been given more time to care. About this buildup of his grief over being separated from Genesis and him not being the fittest, this could have hit harder. But because it was only two months, and because the only real experience we've had with like Apocalypse's grief has been really in creation and stasis, it just didn't feel like a big enough shift or change to be hearing the Genesis story. Now, it just doesn't feel earned to me at all. Mm -hmm. If we had gotten this issue, this Summoner issue, way back when we had X-Men 2 a year ago, and we had been sitting with that information this whole time, and then we had been able to kind of experience Apocalypse's pathos this whole time and having lost Genesis, then I think we could have earned coming back to this issue a year later, right, from 2 okay. to 14, and seeing yeah. these scenes, I, then it would have hit for me. So I think my first problem was I just don't care enough to make this reveal kind of hit. It's it's too mm-hmm. quick, and they haven't spent enough time making me care about the character. But then on the other side, to, to I think Tyler's point, is... I'm actually down with the art being the same. I think there is something really interesting there, the shift from kind of the third person telling to the first person telling. I needed, though, to Tyler's point, for there to be one page you where the perspective was different you know like one splash page or one thing where we could only see it through the eyes of genesis i realized that actually almost all of the panels are through the eyes of genesis which is like the secret of 12 that we can go back now and appreciate and it does make some things in 12 hit differently but mm-hmm. i just needed i needed one thing to break it up not just to break up the monotony but as like a narrative signal of like This is important now. And I think without that, and especially because the paneling is so many kind of just three strips of panel per page, the rhythm kind of just wore me down by the end of the issue. Like, I just was so checked out by the end. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, we're going to talk... There were some interesting things, and we're going to talk about them. But it, it just feels like there's a better way to land the blow when it comes to repetition as a form of storytelling, in my opinion.
2: I was... I was, like, you know, when you mentioned that, you know, apocalypses, grief, mattering, and stuff, I was seething with anger that excalibur is was not about apocalypse yeah. like the whole of excalibur should have been about apocalypse instead of some dumb brits and their dumb sword and their dumb like whatever like you know if it was about apocalypse the whole 12 issue before the X of swords about you know we getting bits and bits and pieces of who, who he is and all of that this would have been perfect
1: no, so we're not getting get enough to... of a setup, basically.
0: It felt like yeah. they held their cards so close to get to this point. Like they wanted to Yeah. They wanted to reach the point where they could show it here, but unfortunately I think they were short shrift themselves a little bit on the apocalypse yeah. stuff. But let's, let's so that's enough of that. Right. Either people agree with us or they don't. You know, yeah. we're we're only yeah. three readers. Three very um, specific readers <laughs> uh, but look what. so what was new and interesting about this story I'll go first with one and then I would love to hear what you kind of took away that did I Mm -hmm. think the stuff about the White Sword here was the most interesting stuff to me. We kind of got way more context about where these hundred other mutants went. We got way more context about him reviving them all the time and how they've kind of become their own faction. To me, it actually made his appearance last week in Stasis much more interesting, whereas before I barely even recalled he had been in X-Men 12. I thought he had actually been introduced in Stasis. I I don't know if you realized last week. But here I'm like, okay, this actually may be the most interesting character to me on the Arako side mm-hmm. so that was that was new to me For, uh, Tyler, what was kind of new information to you here? well I mean um there, there were several stuff
1: that I think are knew mostly has to do with the second half of the story like what happened well okay uh, f- a few things what was the conversation between
0: Iska and uh, Genesis? Right, because that actually is presented very differently between very, 12 and 14. Yeah, yes. very, very Rashomon effect.
1: Yeah. And then um, the other thing would be like what happened to the... Well, it was briefly touched upon that when they first enter uh, the land of Ameth, um, you know, some mutants went mad. And then we realized what happened to those so-called mad mutants, Um You know, they basically got captured and then used as breeding stock to crossbreed with the demons, and I suspect no, but I suspect those are (laughs) those are what they call Val, the Val people in 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 the data pages, and then um, the other thing is also the the entire thing sort of recast the summoners as actually the the real big the real bad people here, I think. Instead so of Ameth, instead of Arako, I think the summoner, um, uh, the summoners as a whole are the ones that are actually running this whole thing. Because there's one line which I think um, which which Genesis mentioned when she recounts a story. It says, This nation you helped form. That is a lie. Because Apocalypse did not form Krakoa.
0: Well, this I mean, na-
1: from her perspective... Little, well, you know. but no, I'm not saying that Genesis is lying. I'm saying that she got information from Summoner, who fed back to her. Oh, them. and so he's kind
0: of being a he's a pass he's between. being yeah. He's basically the one that is lying on both sides. Which would be a very Hickman device to have somebody kind of in the middle manipulating. So leave it to Tyler and his receipts. I almost had a theme song for you this week. Maybe next time. Um, (laughs) Leave it to Tyler and his receipts to pull a little bit more intrigue out. Freya, was there anything here that specifically intrigued you in in a new or a different way than the last time we saw this story?
2: Um, I think like, you know, now there's this whole idea that mutants means different things now, because Mm -hmm. all this era without mutants come our evolution of homo sapiens, and then they're in the world. But now it feels like there is more to them. They there's like mutants from all the past question is where are they evolving from then like or what what's what's more their story and then i also kind of found it intriguing that the whole hundred mutants being brought back again and again and it was very like you know um the clone wars of star wars like you know just like this clones being brought back again and again and then they have their war and they're like f this we're not doing this so it's just like i think it's like it's an interesting story to be told like you know it just it always happens that you create something to do your fight but they rebel back because it's like no we have our own thoughts and feels about this so it happened here again so which is i thought it was interesting my f- one thing that I was like I never like twenty twenty has been such a weird year for everyone, but I never thought in my life I'll see one issue where it opens with apocalypse like hanging out under a tree like a lovesick puppy like it's like mm, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> that to me was brand new. It's like I mean, who is this apocalypse? <laughs> like
1: I mean, mm. the relationship between Genesis and Apocalypse is really toxic. I mean, very um, one like sided. Genesis. Genesis kept insulting him and kept putting him down. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem healthy at all to me. It's like it, I mean, okay, maybe they have a more you know, um, sadist and masoch- masochist type of relationship. Oh, so, tell us
2: more about that,
1: <laughs> but, Tyler. I mean, one likes to give pain and one likes to receive pain. So you
0: know what I mean. So this episodes in this always way. trend in this direction. <laughs> always go here. Uh, well, no, I mean, it Re Oh, gosh, I have so much to say. I want to put a pin in, in the vile and the, the kind of crossbred mutants. I think we got to come back to that.
3: Yeah. Because that's
0: important. It. But but coming off of what you're both just talking about, Genesis and their toxic relationship, so interesting that in issue 12, when Summoner talks about what happens to Genesis after Iska summons her to the city, um, she's described as being buried the, you know, she they battled, and Genesis was found wanting, defeated, unfit, and buried. And buried with her was all hope for Arako. That's the caption over the tight shot of the golden mask. But that mm. is a totally different thing in the current issue. In the mm. current issue, the way that that plays out is we say, she says, I took her life, I took her head, and in doing so, I sacrificed my own. I did not know what victory meant. I did not know what it cost." Whoever defeats the helm claims the helm. Whoever wears the crown controls the land. And so she goes on to say that effectively she tried to resist. She didn't want to put on the helm. Um, and and terrible things resulted. So that was not just a, an untruth. That was an outright lie by Summoner yep. in twelve. She was never defeated or buried. But could you make the argument that whatever Genesis used to represent kind of died that day or died over the process of those 100 years. And this new version of Genesis has kind of been like um, ultimately corrupted by the crown. Right. It's kind of it's kind of like the, you know, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another Lord of the Ring. Right. It's like when men have possession of the ring. Right. You can't help (laughs) but feel the greed and feel the evil. It's like, has the crown so fundamentally changed her that she's effectively gone dead and gone? Well, she resisted for 100 years. She did. Freya? Yeah.
2: No, no, I, just, I, I thought the same though. I mean, I thought that that's why she's like she has no love for apocalypse, and they've been like away from each other for how long i'm always good i'm always like happy about yeah i'm always happy about people moving on like you know thousands (laughs) of years and that's sad she moved on she had other things and stuff but apocalypse was just buried most of the time then he came then he ran after some mutants for some time and Mm -hmm. you know so they had like a different life experiences that put them apart um i I thought that you know that's kind of like what where they are i mean it. Once again, it's hard to kind of talk about that is like whether their relationship is actually truly toxic or not if we haven't seen what normal was before.
0: (laughs) Right, and you know, I was talking about how I wish there was one scene the whole time, even as I was reading it, I was like, please let there be another scene of when Genesis says goodbye to him and sends him through to Earth because it just felt like it was missing information the first time. And I was like, maybe that's what's going to break this up. Maybe maybe we're going to get a flashback to that or a a view of that and we're going to hear Genesis's Version of it because before we kind of saw her as this very strong person, but it was at a distance, and we never got that. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I feel like if we got that, I would have, I would under. I mean, you know, we can't play this game of like, how would I write this issue? Because like everybody would write every issue differently. Yeah. But All I right. think we can talk about kind of like what was feeling like we were missing it at the time that made this not hit as hard. And for me, that's maybe one of we'll those things.
2: Maybe we'll get the sixth viewpoint of the oh, same yeah, maybe issue
0: we can
2: do it again. <laughs> no,
3: we can only this <laughs>
0: version.
2: And then we will have it again. Like, it's like... Uh, it's so, <laughs> but,
1: but that 100 years is actually quite interesting because that is where Life Night comes in. Moira's Life Night. Yeah, Knight. just about we, what I was going to say. Yeah, because they, that explains how Moira in Life Night could go into, um, presumably, go into the other world and uh, Arako and save the, the Horsemans and, and, and the Arako mutants. We are not sure what happened in Life Night between her and Genesis, but we knew that they came. uh the, the four horsemen's were on Apocalypse side. And when weren't they, they calling Mora
0: Genesis? It's been a while um, since I've read Hawk. Spots. They call
1: her the mother. Uh, ah, well. they, they call her Genesis. They call her something else. Um, it starts starts with A too. Um,
0: yeah, it, it was very similar. Yeah. But. Well, I. So I think, I mean, so many points in here because, you know, when we originally read Hoxpox last year, we thought it meant that he was getting the horsemen from space originally. Like, it took us a while to realize that they weren't that they came kind of from within when we learn this later on. And a lot of people have been kind of toiling with this whole math of like how do the lives line up? Why could they do it? But I think you've got a great point. Like in Life 9, which was the apocalypse life, Mora and Apocalypse went in during the hundred years. So they encountered something very different than what the X Men are encountering now. And it kind of brings again the question Mora has appeared one in one of panel here totally silently to what yeah. extent did she know or premeditate that she had to knew, know what apocalypse was going to be doing with the horsemen but we haven't seen any hint of whether Mora is a, a communicating with apocalypse or not so that's a yeah. big question looming over us right now
2: maybe and that's that why so- apocalypse joined them maybe that's why apocalypse joined them because moira promised that you get to correct this
0: Gosh, he got a lot oh, more. Blue Jackie got, got a lot more, more than Blue yeah. Mommy did. She doesn't have Destiny right. back yet. And Apocalypse got a whole other world. Yeah, I
2: mean, you know, you win some, you lose them. And, no, but I mean, Moira has a reason why Destiny cannot come back. She threatened her. Like, I wouldn't bring Destiny back if she threatened me like that. It's like, I don't see Beyond Life 11 or something, whatever she said. Yeah. I'm like, you, stay put. I mean, that's why, she, that's why Moira's not back. But the thing is, like, I think, like, who knows? Maybe that's what, that's what she, she told him. Like, hey, you get to come and fix this part of it. Who knows? No, but that
1: also sort of speaks to when the turning point is. I think the turning point um, between Life 9 and Life 10, with, with respect to Arako, is when Summoner came to Earth. Because I think when he came to Earth and started the whole process of lying... And bringing people over, I think that is when they, you know, eventually broke through to Arako and um and uh, Genesis wore the head, the the helm, the golden helm.
0: So I don't think oh, yeah. we need to spend a, a ton more on this. But I did say that I would put a pin in the the, the, vile. the vile people. So, uh, Tyler, you've got the receipts. What do you feel like we kind of really know and understand? And and to be clear, the vile people are the mutants who were originally captured. They thought they were dead in the initial conflict. And it turns out that they've been part of this kind of like creepy eugenics program this entire time.
1: Yeah. So I mean I don't think they are the original mad mutants. They are probably a crossbreed between the mutants and the uh, and the demons. So um, and I feel like you know this is telling them that um, it is possible. I mean it's, it's telling me two things. One thing is that the Arako mutants are not on Genesis and Aman's side hmm. because they basically tried to uh, break free but they are trapped because Arako is basically trapped in other world, in Amanth and the 10 Towers part of it is broken and they have broken through. So um, the other thing is, does this, I mean, as above, so below, right? So does this mean that, you know, we will see something that might happen in Krakoa that they get someone, um, you know, um, invade them from within and, you know, and, and, and try to learn their secrets because um, we still have a mole on Krakow, and that has been a running theme from uh, for X Force. Mm-hmm. So there is still someone there feeding information to um, I think Russia. So 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 there is something happening there which we are, we have not resolved yet. But I mean, it's not going to be exactly the same. But, you know, this is what I was thinking of uh, when I read through the whole thing.
0: Well, the final comment I want to put on it is from the final scene, which is one of the few original scenes in this issue. You know, Apocalypse is saying you're not going to come for our land and our children or whatever. And Genesis said it was made with soft hands and raised on a soft <laughs> earth. <laughs> which is funny to me, not only because of the shade that it casts on all of our X-Men, our soft, soft X-Men. Yeah. But... <laughs> because of how it leads into marauders 14 because now we're starting to see the x-men bumping up against these Arako mutants. And, you know, I mean, we've got a soft boy like Doug Ramsey. He's soft. Yeah. But, you know, we have some very battle-hardened X-Men here. We have Magic, we have Gorgon, we have Wolverine. And it's one of those kind of stake-setting things you do where you call them soft and then you show them in a social setting where the, where the opposite side doesn't even understand kind of social niceties yeah. to kind of hammer home that these battle-hardened X-Men are soft, right? So it's kind of struck yeah, me as a wait, really effective rhetorical device to kind of set it up, and then let Dugan and Percy knock totally. down the pins yeah. in, but, in Marauders. Before, before, but, but
1: before we jump yeah. to Marauders, can I say something first? All right, um, final c- closing
0: c- mar- closing shot. No, no. Um,
1: I think we we, we we sort of need to talk a little bit about the last prophecy of Idol. Uh, I I I don't know how to pronounce his name. The the the, the um the prophet.
0: Right, it's who, on the final who, data page. Do, the very idol, final daughter data Daughter of idol, page. son of idol. Yeah, seeker, so basically I think
1: it's just a history, it's just a line of uh, prophets right. named Idol. And, okay, two things. <laughs> when, 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 when they first shown Idol, they shown him, well, it's a her now, now that we know it's a her, right. um, with a snake around his neck. And it actually reminds me of Maggot,
0: and Wouldn't that be great if Maggot had been the prophet of the X-Men no. all along? Just like, guys! Yeah.
3: Guys! No.
0: But Maggot <laughs> has two maggots as
1: intestines. And
0: this Ugh. one oh, has Faria, a snake... you have so much great X-Men ahead. This
1: one has a snake coming from between her legs. Ah. <laughs> so initially, when I thought this is a mere character, I was like, uh... Okay, but that's... I mean... We'll that aside. that aside, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, the 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 last uh, prophecy, which is it says they you are know, only under the black moon will the two become one, and the white light will judge them, and a red land will see them split forever. Like, who do you think they are talking about?
2: Like is you it, said, take it as how you see it.
1: No, <laughs> but is it Genesis or Apocalypse, or are we talking about Arako and Krakoa?
2: I thought it was Arako and Krakoa. That's how I felt. I felt like it was a, it was the because the lands are sentient, like it's the fight between them. But talking about, like, I just want to mention about the soft people raising soft children. Uh, you know, because Peter mentioned that some of the some of the hardened mutants are there in the next murder. But however, those hardened mutants were not raised by Professor X. You know, they were hardened because we have of not endured sub- the
0: emotional psychological abuse. <laughs> of being the manipulation and gaslighting of being raised <laughs> yeah. by professor x so they yeah are. that's
2: true yeah they they're they're hardened by other factors but the thing is like you know <laughs> like to be honest like yeah like our krakow and their soft rules of like <laughs> kill no humans like screw that Like, destroy our enemies. It doesn't even say who the enemies are. It just said destroy our enemies. I love that line so much because it's like, (laughs) you don't know who you are. If you are just their enemies, they will destroy you. (laughs) They don't, like, I just loved it. But yeah, like (laughs) that, that line made me laugh so much about like, soft people. I mean, (laughs) I know
1: we... We laughed about make more mutants because we think that all the mutants are horny. But in Arako's sense, right, it actually takes on a whole new it meaning because, yeah. because they have to survive
0: yeah so they got to make more mutants and sort of this idea of like survive by many any means necessary like to turn mutants not into an invasive species per se but to kind of be like do do anything to preserve and to to escalate right which is we we were kind of all tittering in a corner about the implications of the Krakoa one but this is the this is kind of the real world stakes but it kind of goes with the whole soft implication right which is like That's something you say to people who who've been raised to want something better, almost. Right. Like you don't want to is the goal to raise each successive generation in war isn't eventually the goal of war to have conquered or defended all of those things that you meant to conquer Mm -hmm. and defend and eventually raise a soft generation. And so it's just really struck me, you know, especially in light of. A lot of other things in the world as this almost generational divide that you have this older generation, which we'll call the Rocco generation, being like, "You don't know what it is to live tough, harden up," ah. and then you right, and then you have the the Krakow generation being like, "You should want more than than that for your children. I'm not going to ask my children to harden up and have a life worse than the life they should have," which I think is but a the, really interesting comment.
2: No, and it is, but the thing is, like, it's also because have Krakoan and people aren't it yet. Because I feel like there is still so much fight they need to do before they can get into that soft space. Yeah,
0: they're not even all the way soft, just softer <laughs> okay. than... And all, my final comment on the prophecy is soft that spots. I always, every time, whenever we talk about To Become One, are, and thinking about the iconic Spice Girls song, To <laughs> Become One from 1996, and that's the only thought that I have. It on Okay, now we're moving on to Marauders. Yes, now we're moving to Marauders. So I think... I. Yeah, so there's a lot of little moments in here. They really they do are. try to let us spend a second with every person, which is really the first time that we've done that aside from creation stasis, so I can yeah. appreciate it for that. And we get a few specific horse people um, horse combos. People. <laughs> so I'm just going to run through the <laughs> combos as outlined by Tyler. Uh, and I'm telling you now, we're saving storm and death towards later because that's probably the most interesting one. So we get Softboy Doug, and Bay of the Blood Moon. Um, yeah. this is probably the most basic level comedic interaction out of all of them. three uh, what did I mean, you th- Well Tyler, you go first. What did you I, think I, about I that? I mean, I jump I'm jumping in here because you know Doug. Sure list.
1: I, I feel I feel a lot for Doug because that would be how I would react. In With his time. leg up against the wall <laughs> because and I'll like be, his uh, Yeah, I'll be yeah. just like and trying to enjoy my food and drinks. And then like this giant athletic, beautiful um, warrior woman would come in and
0: say, don't look at me. And I'll be like, "Okay." (laughs) I just I have to talk about Caselli's. I mean, Caselli's one of my favorite Marvel artists. So I always perk up when I see him on an art rotation. And there's a couple of panels here where he just does some really cool stuff with body language. And with facial acting and we go from that panel of Doug kind of folded on himself drinking his drink in the corner just saying hey to to Bay looming over him and there's so many things happening the the drink is splashing out of his cup his shoulder his um shoulders have come up a little to feel a little defensive he's he's trying to hold in his drink without spitting it is out sort of for a little bit like there's that's so thoughtful and I can just picture Caselli like in a mirror making the face to decide how he's gonna because it's so specific right it's not just like a general eyes wide shock face it's like there's yeah. so many specific anatomical things going on with the jaw and the eyes and the brows and the shoulders that I could just picture him with a mirror yeah. in front of him drawing it and I, and like that's why I love his artwork and you
1: can sort of like feel like he's trying to sink back into the wall he's like please please just take me you know yeah
0: <laughs>
2: And I think like from that reason that it's this thing works so well, because, you know, he is not a not talented person, right? Like, I mean, Doug is like, he's a linguist. Like he knows all the languages. He can create languages. Like it's such a powerful, he is such a powerful, Muted, But in this room, he just wants to be one with the wall because it's like, this is not my scene. Like, I'm like, I think I'm like the queen of not my scene because there's so many things I've tried in my life and I'm like, not my scene. And (laughs) this is like you know i i think i connected with him from that level like yes like if i were in a party i would try to mingle i would be magic you know just i'll find one person that i know and then two, two of us would be doing people watch um but the thing is like he like i i at least understood that this is not where he fitted and then how he was reacting to that it's like the most realistic thing ever <laughs> Put to no. in a superhero comic. Yeah.
1: And um, and I'm also in the camp where I thought the card that Doug received last issue in stasis that the other woman is the other person is is, is Bay. So I'm kind of like hoping that intrigued. this will
0: develop slightly more. Yeah. Ooh. So I have to roll on to Pog or Pog and Magic here and I gotta I'll just absorb all the hate now. I'll be the lightning rod. I <laughs> hate this whole pogger-pog, he's a big, funny dinosaur, it's stupid. Now look, if these were (laughs) comics that children conceivably were reading, I have a huge allowance to make for silly, funny, whimsical things, and even in comics for adults, but we're in this middle of this Dungeons & Dragons sourcebook Lord of the Rings shenanigans, And we're trying to pull comedy with this giant mercenary alligator being like Lobo. And it just does not work for me. I know Twitter loves him. I know everybody's making jokes, but I passionately seethingly hate him and then to pull magic into it who can be funny but funny in this very like i don't quite understand human behavior way but here she's just like cracking jokes and it just at this point i gave up on the issue i'm like i don't care what else happens everything from here out this is a zero i hate it i'm done so (laughs) please talk me off the ledge if you would like but i'm just trying to let you know where my mind is before we get any deeper into this issue, am I totally off base here? Do you enjoy pogger Pog? Do you pog, pogger pog?
2: pog? <laughs> well, i don't I don't necessarily enjoy the name because I feel like it's like very annoying name, but that whole magic ah magic. <laughs> Winded, own it for me. I was like, yes, that is why his name is Pogger Pog. because I'm pretty sure Dugan said that I want to make that make that uh, joke. So please name him. To be honest, there's always a whimsical character in a in a group. I would rather this whimsical character in the other side, so we probably hopefully never have to see this per character again, versus on our side. At least it's like, disposable. You know, exactly, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's the first one that's gonna go. Like you, you really know, it's just get a lot of hate. Oh whatever, like you know. But I, I just feel like that's like a first character that's probably gonna go, and that's like a, it's a, a throwing character that they're not wasting yeah. too much time on it. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like it just, I, it, it doesn't change anything for me. There's other things I don't like or care about for me to even waste any amount of energy on this on this character. But I think well, it's a whole like, just... so magic, magic up uh, our magic. <laughs> mm, I loved it. I loved yeah. that.
1: <laughs> and Magic trying to try to eat the cart because Pog was like <laughs> Pog was eating the cart. I know it's silly, but it's kind of funny. But like, it's you like,
2: know, like "Oh, this is not edible."
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, but but funny. all this all this talk about how Pog is soft inside, I just can I just imagine a scene when the fight starts and Magic just like throw a uh, teleporting this, and then the next thing you see, she slice, up, slice him up from inside him.
2: Yeah, or something like that. He's yeah, or lot.
0: like Wolverine jumps in his mouth or something. I don't know. Or like, something. I think the moment where they really lost me is when she made the joke about medieval times, because I almost like was like, oh. okay, let's go back to Claremont and see if Cl- yeah. Magic ever went to medieval times for dinner, because if not, I don't... That was is- the part which I was like, um... <laughs>
2: which was, which I was no that idea. again? she just makes
0: a joke about medieval times being a nicer restaurant than this restaurant which didn't even really land because this is actually really cool it's like a table in the middle of a pond in the middle of it just didn't make any sense to
2: to to that point why didn't they say that it's better than russia or something she's russian
0: i know russia
2: doesn't have like good restaurants like (laughs) i think (laughs)
0: But here's here's my thing. I feel like sometimes X-Books lately can get into this mode where it gets almost like the panels feel like they're meant to be excerpted on social media for giggles. And I hate to be the old curmudgeon, even though I know I'm the old curmudgeon, but it's like not good comics. And this is usually my dispute when Leah Williams gets like a little too kooky where I'm like, it's just all Twitter jokes. Like where is the plot? And I feel like Dugan plus Percy for some reason have gone over over to the, to this like goofy jokes. I promise I'll stop after this, but it just took me out of the issue too many times, especially with the pog. Where are we going to fight him? What are we going to do? But like, he doesn't actually come off as threatening at all. Like his whole pogness has been a joke. So the whole thing about like how fearsome he is just never, it just never really landed for me. I don't know. I'm done now. I'm, I promise. Mm -hmm. I do I
2: think that Arako picked him just to get people on the like, oh, what is his deal? So they are focusing on him when their other other players are much more dangerous and not enough time is spent on them.
0: Quite frankly, like, it could be the case, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons he's chosen. The same white dog is chosen. And then, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah.
0: So let's, you know, before we move on here, there is one interesting scene in the middle that's not between a Krokoan and another swordbearer, but between the Krakoa party, which is Wolverine, Captain Brit or Brian, Braddock, and Betsy, the, the, co- the collective Captain Britons. Brian and the human.
2: Brian Except- the human. Brian human.
0: the human. And Wolverine's whole point here is like, are you really going to risk two worlds just based on your marriage vows to vegan, Megan, why don't you just go and boink Saturnine? Am, am I am I accurately depicting Wolverine's <laughs> position in this conversation?
2: So the, the yeah, I mean the the hatred that you felt towards like you know Pogger Pog and magic and everything, I felt the same exact hatred for all of Wolverine in this these in this episode in this issue. Like I was so we can skip ahead a little bit but thing is like the fact if i have to watch one more time Wolverine murder a woman like i'm going to i'm going to kill someone like i am going to murder someone that i just cannot handle that anymore like it's like a thing that happened once so many times and now they just keep on repeating it in this whole hox box, we've seen it like now third time that he have done it why and then what is this like i don't I read a lot of Wolverine, and I don't know if Wolverine will be talking like this or having this kind of idea. I don't know. I don't know where this is coming from. Maybe I haven't read enough. Like, I was like, really?
0: Like, no. He, why? He, I think it made him out to be, like, way more stupid than he actually is. Because Exactly. Like, Ugh. I, I kind of can get with his whole, like, why... Let me put it this way. If the riff with Brian had been more about, like, why are we not taking a more diplomatic tact? Like, I like popping Claws as much as anybody, but aren't there other paths? I think it would have read better. But then to have him then effectively just be like, well, I guess I'm going to pop Claws. As if stabbing Saturnine in the stomach is going to make one difference in the... It just, like, it it ruined an already bad issue for me. Yeah. Yeah. I was... that, was, that, That was...
1: no go ahead. Sorry, sorry.
2: Ta- no, Tyler, you go ahead.
1: No, I was just saying that that was exactly my thought the first time I read read through the thing. And then the second time I read through it, I was looking at the panel where um War was, you know, trying to poison Wolverine. And I'm thinking, is War trying to poison Wolverine by putting something in his food, knowing that Wolverine can regenerate? Or is War casting a spell on Wolverine by pulling something on him?
0: Yeah, I and, did spend a while staring at that panel trying to decide. If you ha- if you didn't notice it, dear listeners, um, there's a panel where you can see War kind of fidgeting under the line of the table with a bottle, and the there's like little action marks around it, and then in the next panel she's tipping it into his food. So like, but then we don't really see him eat any food. So like, are we supposed? Yeah. To, and Were we supposed but, to think that?
2: That's what my that that's what I was saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. He didn't so, eat no, it. So no, but
1: yes, correct. But that's the thing. Like, is he? Is, war, is she sprinkling it on the food or sprinkling it on Wolverine
0: himself? Oh, who knows? It was, it was badly communicated either way. It, yeah. No,
2: but the thing is, like, either way, he should not be this undone. He no,
0: cannot I know, it- No, no, no.
1: What I'm trying to get at is that this Wolverine at the very last act is very warlike. Is he under the spell of war at a, at a point in time?
3: Mm-hmm. And,
1: that, and that that wasn't his plan all along like and that kind because of jowls he... with the conversation with Storm because I yeah, don't think Storm said. would say would say no go ahead you know I will not stop you if he if she knew that Wolverine is going to stab Stature Knight mm. well, so maybe... that reads better for me the second time because then there's this question mark of whether is this really Wolverine but it...
2: To think my only problem is it's like now is not the time to say that oh go bang that check, and then so that we don't have to fight like that's one of the reason i was like so annoyed i'm like really you didn't say that all the 48 hours you guys were standing around that time this conversation didn't came up you just made eye contact with each other and what the hell kind of like even like thought process is that for ulf Rain? i thought that he would be smarter than this this is like a dumb thing that B could say. B could say that. Like you know, that we should <laughs> stop the war by doing this like nonsensical act which had nothing to do with it. And then that actually got me all confused because honestly my, my memory is not very good for when I'm reading week to week like this. What was the point we started this fight again? Because then I actually got confused. I was like, wait, why is the fight again? No, I'm, I'm genuinely asking now. Because no, I mean, how did yeah. Wolverine came to this conclusion? If you exactly. bang one out, the war would be over. Like, this is not going to No,
0: happen. Exactly. And it just takes this perspective, which is an, a credible perspective for characters and to have right now, which is that Saturnine's prevailing over all of this. And so if Saturnine wasn't prevailing over all of it, would it have the same rules, right? Like, yes, the resurrections would still be messed up. Yes, they would still have to fight Irako. But like if she was dead or disposed of briefly, would the magic binding them to the ten swords and one must fall from, you know, would that all still be in effect? Or, or, or could they just have a knockdown dragon I got fight. Which maybe is a little bit more of what Wolverine would prefer, and like th- this is me like trying to rationalize it a little bit. So like I kind of get it, but I still think it was. I I really yeah. think you know Percy co-wrote this issue, and he is the current writer of Wolverine, and he's written some good Wolverine both in mm-hmm. the ish in his series and as Freya has pointed out in the podcast. Right? Percy superb. wrote. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so really like good. maybe there's just something we're not fully understanding about Wolverine here, and, and I'm I'm willing to say that. Uh, but and we do have another Wolverine issue coming, not next week, but. Oh no, next week. So maybe all of these questions yeah. will be answered. But in the scope of this issue, clearly we felt some discomfort. Now let's go to one that was a little bit more fun, and then we'll end on the marquee matchup of Storm and Death. We have Magic and Gorgon. Gorgon, who we have not spent a ton of time with in all of Doc docs so far. And they're basically casing up all of the competition. They're scoping them out. They're looking them up and down. They're trying to understand which side they favor and what the tactical advantages might be. And they just cannot get a read on Iska, which turns into this very kind of slapstick, almost like very goofball thing of them trying to get her to pick stuff that they're dropping. It feels like a very sitcom setup. But because... (laughs) it's a setup of Magic and Gorgon who are usually quite grim and are having this very grim conversation. Mm-hmm. This one landed better for me than the than the Magic comedy earlier because there was actually, like, a punchline structure to the joke. I don't know. Did now, you enjoy Magic and Gorgon kind of circling Iska here?
2: No, no, but not only that, it's like, I didn't even look at it as a comedy, but mostly as, like... Magic doing her work job as a captain, right? But, you know, it did. Like Golden is like, also
0: a captain. Yeah, they're both captains. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, they're both they're captains. Both captains. Yeah, yeah. So
2: as captains, they're figuring out while one of their warriors is like trying to become one with the wall, and the other one is trying to get uh, <laughs> Mother, two of the everyone. other one h- hooked hooked up, and then get them to like they're actually doing work, and they're actually doing what's the purpose. What I think Satterdine had this dining session about. So you get to know your opponent. And they're the only one who's actually doing it. And I thought it was done very well. Like agree. I left enjoyed it.
3: Like left that. arm,
2: right right, And then also like, ambitent, like ooh, ambitent, I didn't see that coming. I was like, yeah, okay. Like that, that <laughs> actually worked. Right? To be honest, that's the... Like, this is like the same, when they, there was the whole thing they said about like, you know, the Ten Sword and the I'm like, there's going to be a dinner scene. Hunger Games has it, Lord of the Rings has it, every one of them has it, like there's this always this one calm before the storm, a dinner scene like that, and this was this. So, from that point of view, I think it worked really well.
0: But I want to tack back to X-Men 14 for one final comment on this scene. The new read that we get on Iska and her power to be unbeaten as we see Genesis's retelling of Iska is almost that like Iska had to depart because she knew she always has to win. And that's her curse. And so she kind of like had to be on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost this idea that... um So she says, Do you remember my sweet sister Iska? Her mutant power was that she could not lose, and how I wept when it drove her to join Amenth in the war against Okara. So you can imagine the joy I felt seeing her there when she returned, right? So I, I just thought that was interesting in combination of this, where, you know, they have them scoping her out. But this is a thing that Iska herself does, because she, for whatever reason, can't commit herself to the losing side. If yeah. in some way Gorgon and Magic show that they've outmaneuvered her, she will actually not fight, because she has to win. The mutant power works both ways. If she can't win, I don't think she can fight. Hmm.
2: So I'm very confused by her power. What is this power? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this power? I mean, and can well, we can we have her run for president then? Because she cannot <laughs> lose. Like you know, I, I, whichever political what? party you're in, but you know, she cannot lose. But because is it, but it's
0: like—is w- it more like she can sense if she's going to Like she—is it more that she yeah. can always pick the right side? Almost, you know, so, we don't and, know and, the to, function of it yet. I,
2: to that point I was thinking about it, why on earth Domino is not on the team?
0: Yes. Like, no, but that's what like, we discussed we last week. We have
2: Brian the human and then not Domino. Like, that's like, what we
1: discussed <sighs> last last week. But I mean when I when she first appeared in X-Men Twelve, I, I did have the question mark. What does the power of cannot lose mean? I, I mean, and then I was thinking about it, I said maybe it's a combination of uh, probability changing, as well as a pre cog. So she has a limited pre um ability, so that she knows which which one to choose. And then by choosing one side, she also has, has this probability luck power that always makes them win.
0: And so that's supported by the panel in, in X-Men 12, subtly different than the one from 14. Her mutant yeah. power was that she could not lose. It was her power that forced her, not drove her, to join a man's th- in the war against Okara, understand she had to. They were going to win, and she cannot lose. Yeah.
2: So what happens if she moves? like she bursts into flame? She just dies.
0: Like I, okay. I did not I We're gonna find
2: out in one of the next. Yeah. Get it. No, but
1: <laughs> like, that's, you know, that's like... the thing. So 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 the fact that she she's on Arako's side, it just means that the Kako is going to lose.
0: I mean, that's that's how I'm reading it. They're reading sure. it but I think she's just gonna defect again anyway okay so now yeah. we're to the marquee the cover battle except for it's not a battle it's a tango it's not. and yep. it's storm- oh I love
2: by the way I, I love that cover
0: Great I cover really and it's really that. fun if you've ever seen people tango where like they really do hit those angles with their body Dartman exaggerates it a little bit for the cover but like <laughs> people really do get in those low they do. Uh, mm. you know leg out so storm and death. At the beginning we have Storm and, and War and Death kind of all casing each other up and Storm puts a flower in Death's little <laughs> little dog ears and then they go on this underwater dance and Death is like well you've never been kissed by death before and and for a minute it seems like we're gonna get a riff on like storm being one of the few x-men who have never properly died although she has an x-men 225 but I guess we're not counting that mm-hmm. um, and then storm comes back with like I've had many little deaths you don't yeah. you I know death way better even than you do and I just thought like if th- this is the level of nuance I'm looking for out of storm generally, And I think that they're really playing with this tension that Storm seems like the one who's going to have to lose in an intriguing way. And not for nothing, but Black Panther, her husband, estranged or otherwise, is also a lord of over death and the afterlife, which doesn't really come up here. But I just couldn't help but feel the implication, especially she's like holding hands with this dog headed mutant. But think about her husband, the Black Panther. It just I couldn't help but draw parallels. I don't know. What did you think, Maria? You're, you, you, what are your opinions here?
2: No, I mean, I thought that, you know, when she said, she was saying that, you know, losing death or like, what, what is the, what is the word you said? Like, you know, you just said it. Um, like I have faced death many times or
0: I've been dancing with you my entire life
2: right so dancing like i i felt like you know i, I was kind of looking at it both ways like one is like the black panther implication of it like you know that her dancing with him all the time why aren't they together all the time they're a perfect couple but you know but the thing is that on the side of it i was also thinking that you know are she talking about death of her many identities of storm like you know right. that we talked about it before that you know she is like every time she moves onto a different. Uh, Persona- not personality, but different role. Uh, role, uh different role, whether she's talking about that she's burying the past one and then how that kind of like, you know, works for her. But I was also thinking, I'm like, whoa, Storm never died. Like she was always around. Like, you know, so maybe that's also... An- and then uh, not to mention giant size X-Men, um, like in the Storm, she came to very close to death very recently, right? So maybe that's on her mind as well.
0: Okay, so, yeah, I, I think thought- that's a great point. And mm-hmm. I thought
2: that, you know, from that point of view, that it was I th- this and Magic and Gargan, like, you know, interaction and Ramsey's interaction, like, you know, made the issue far more bearable, yeah. even with all the negatives <laughs> of, like, Wolverine. effing Wolverine.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Storm also has a history of, like, always attracting people of power, like, mm-hmm. you know, Dracula, Doom, Loki, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just interesting. They're all obsessed with her. Always. And, you know, in the whole group of X-Men, it's always
0: Storm.
2: Ooh, is there, like, a Loki and Storm issues? I would like to read Oh,
0: those. yeah. We'll, yes. we'll get uh, there. Okay. We'll get there. I mean, okay. Storm, Storm and Doom is actually a, a pretty iconic one as well. But... Yeah. gosh, it just made me just have a, I'm not one of these like Marvel cinematic universe, like shippers. Like the movies will get here when they get here. But I, yeah. you, you guys talking just made me have this moment. It's like, Oh, I can't wait till we get storm on screen. Having these kind of, you the know, re-assault. yeah. Like don't make her a teenager. Oh Let yeah. Her be a goddess. Yeah. Like we need, we need <laughs> full goddess. Storm. We need that. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I,
2: I want Issa, I'm forgetting
0: her last name. Issa, um, Issa Ray from, uh, oh, what is the name of that darn show? I know, I know who you mean. Just,
2: yeah. yeah, like, I want her to play as girl. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just, like, it's, she has, like, the whole fit, like, you know, the chin and everything. It's just, like, she's... I think she would be really perfect.
0: So we've covered all the character interactions, and, and, you know, I'm coming down hard in this issue, but at least we got everybody in one issue. Even Cable has a couple funny moments in the background. Yeah. But there is one data page, which is Mad Jim Jasper's mostly giving notes to people who put the dinner together and giving mm-hmm. his own notes on, like, the various people... Uh, that are coming with the swords here and how he'd yep. like to rescue some things from Earth. But he ends on a very interesting sentiment. He says, if Krakoa survives this tournament, and my odds on that have dropped precipitously after sizing up their stock, but if they do, their young island nation will doubtless go from strength to strength with, I'm sure, planet size repercussions. Freya, thoughts on that? And then we'll let Tyler wrap it up. Hello. Sure.
2: Like, okay. Okay, sure. Like, you know, I mean, I know. We have been reading Marvel our entire lives, so we know that like, what these words mean ultimately nothing because something will happen, the Rex Rider will come and they're gonna bring it back to, you know, whatever. Like, okay. Like, you know, sure. I mean, is it saying that, oh, is gonna come? i mean that's you know, the only if, that. if you're
0: saying Namor's is gonna arrive then freya is in and then
2: i'm yeah. interested if the, if the ending <laughs>
0: page had been namor bursting through the wall like kool-aid man we would have started this episode with free being like
2: yes yeah exactly <laughs> we know that so maybe i don't know sure whatever it's like it just sounded like an editor writing it it that did literally...
0: it did sound like an editor mm-hmm. writing all right yeah. tyler
1: well, I mean, first thing first, we have been wondering whether this, Jim, Jim, this Matt Jim Jasper is from our world, and this confirms that.
0: Yes, I do agree because,
1: with that. Yeah, because he says, you know, from my old home. And he talks about return to politics because his first appearance, I mean, not his first appearance, but his early appearance, he's the Prime Minister of yes, UK. And here is also referenced because he says that at number 10, which refers to 10 Downing Street, mm-hmm. which is the official residence of the Prime Minister of UK. And sorry, I, I did a lot of uh, Googling for this. <laughs> and then, you know, Tell they talk receipt. about. Yeah, and then they talk about nostalgic. And then, what actually look into it, and, and it's, it turns out that there's one story in Mother UK, which is called Jasper's uh, Warp, mm-hmm. which is also named Crooked World. And that was kind of interesting. But he died at the end, destroyed by a furry. and um. But then, you know, for some unknown reason, he later appeared as a prosecutor in Magneto's trial. So um, I don't know whether this is the original him reconstituted or he, he's a clone um, or whatever. So, yeah. But, you know, talking about the strength to strength with planet size repercussions, I mean, in hotspots we know that this is going to go way bigger than just Krakoa and Earth. So that kind of doesn't surprise me. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't see it as um something very um, new or meaningful, because, you know, in my in my mind, I think that is happening. So
0: hmm. there was one other data page thing that we skipped in uh, X-Men 14, the mention of, mention of Abyssal Prisons, but we would need Zach. Back from yeah. the resurrection protocols, because I think you might be the only <laughs> one who cares of the four of us. Uh, yes. so but if you were to go back and watch Higgsman Report, you would you would yeah. note you would notice that this was a Zach prophecy coming to bear fruit here. So yeah. I think uh, if if I can I don't even know if we need the final go-round this week. I think there was no. a couple of interesting character interactions, but I feel like we are 13 chapters in and I'm ready for the story to start.
2: Start! I was saying that I'm ready to. I'm ready for the story to be over. Like, please make it. So, because I was actually thinking about it last time in Hawkgroves when we talked about it. We were so sure that the first um, event would involve Namor, and I was thinking about that. I'm like, my man hasn't arrived yet. Like, I don't know. Or maybe now that, you know, Storm pissed off Black Panther, maybe he will arrive now.
1: But no, but I was he's like, involved with Emma. He's always infatuated with Emma. That's well, why maybe He long. also loves Saturday. He's,
0: he does
2: not Yeah, he's in, he That's Yeah, true. he's like Sue Storm, like Emma, like any blood. Oh, should I tie my hair then, like, guys? I'm just saying. But, but the thing is, we're talking about that. It's like, that would be more... I This... I, I really wish this was more about building Kakrakoa rather than like, you know, defending it from some other things. I just, I'm, I'm missing quiet council. I'm missing the island. I'm missing like, you know, Kate, like I'm missing all of that. And here we are having to drudging through this. I want this to be over.
0: Well, <laughs> you'll uh. all be happy to be reminded that <laughs> the next three weeks holds for us. That's actually misstated that we're just, five more weeks it's, or four more weeks it's three more weeks holds nine more issues. So Thank we're going to get a lot of story in the yeah. next three weeks and maybe at some point the crossover will actually begin because it hasn't <laughs> begun for me yet. <laughs> so that has been this week in Acts uh, talking about X Men 14 and Marauders 14. Please continue to join us for episodes both about This Week in X and other X Men and assorted comics topics as we're here crushing on comics together as Crushing Comics. Tyler and Freya, thank you so much for joining me thank from all around the world us. today. Thanks. Everyone, take care and we'll be with you again soon.
3: Bye.
0: Bye. <laughs> <laughs>